Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. and then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, we have children's ministry available for both services and if you need to get more information on the church you can go to calvarydivine.org. As we begin our verse-by-verse study we'll be in the book of Mark chapter 15 verses 1 through 20. The title of this sermon is Are You the King of the Jews? Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. And Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone uh, who is of the truth listens to my voice. What's sad is what Pilate says next, right? Pilate says in verse 38, What is truth? And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I found no guilt. Pilate tells him what is truth, and the truth is standing in front of him. He is the way, the truth, the life. There's no other way to get to heaven but through him. You can't get to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And the truth is actually in front of him, and he's missing it. The Messiah was in front of the religious leaders last week as we looked at that scripture, and they're missing it because of their hard hearts. They were envious of what Jesus was doing. And a lot of people are trying to define what their truth is. Jesus has done that. He is the truth. That's as simple as it gets. Well, I need to know what my truth is for my life. Well, your truth is that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins. That's what truth is. And what you're wanting to do is find out what your emotions and feelings want you to find out about. And that's not what we've been called to do. And it's sad because Pilate just says, what is truth? And, And it's... You know, as we look at that, you know, Jesus answered Pilate back there. He said, so you have said so. So he says, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. So there's a little bit more to that than as quickly as Mark gives it to us, right? And then it says in verse 3, And the chief priests accused him of many things, and Pilate asked him, Have have you no answer to make? See how many charges they, they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. Pilate is used to people begging for their lives, lying. I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. Wasn't me. And here's Jesus. He's not saying anything. And all Jesus is doing is fulfilling Scripture. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before is as shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Doesn't say anything. Let's turn to to Luke chapter 23, because there's a little bit more here, because they're going to have to come up with charges, right? Luke 23, verses 1 and 2. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. 
And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man leading, misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king. Now, again, Pilate cares not that if he calls himself a king because he's calling himself the king of the Jews. He doesn't care. But you talk about not paying your taxes? We got a problem. Why? That could be a problem for Pilate. Because the Romans were expecting their tribute, their money. And if this man is telling them not to pay their taxes, that could be an issue. So they come up with an issue. But again, they're lying. Because back in Mark chapter 12, verse 17, Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Well, Jesus told them, you need to pay your taxes. Render to Caesar, with, and that's for us too. Don't think that you can just skip out on that stuff. Because I've heard some Christians, oh, I don't have to pay taxes. I'm like, no, <laughs> render to Caesar what is Caesar's, okay? Let's pick it up again in Luke chapter 23, verse 4 and 5. So they have to come up with another charge. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I found no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout Judea, from Galilee, even to this place. So he stirs up the people. Now, Mark doesn't cover this, but this is very important, because as he's talking about this, they're lying, saying that he stirs up the people through his teachings. But we've known that all Jesus has done is cast out demons, healed the sick, taught with authority, right? That's, and just loved on people. That's what he's done. And share the gospel. You know, he's telling people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But they lied. But Pilate couldn't have disruptions. He couldn't have unsettled peace or a possibility of a riot during the, the Passover. But he heard something that stood out to him. And he goes, wait a minute. He's from Galilee. Oh, no. Uh, he's not my jurisdiction. Right? That's what we see in verse 23, verse 5. It says, but they... We're urgent, saying he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. And when Pilate heard this, he asked him whether this man, uh, the man was a Galilean. And when he heard that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who himself was in Jerusalem at the time. Isn't that incredible? Herod is in Jerusalem at the same time. And guess what? Herod and Pilate could not stand each other. And yet God has them working together. So he sends them to Herod Antipas. Now I'm, I'm going over this so you get a bigger picture of where we're at in, in the scripture. Well, let's pick it up and just continue in Luke 23 and verse 8. It says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad. For he, he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him. And he was hoping to see some sign done by him. And do you know what? That's how a lot of people are. They come out to see the show. I want to see what it's about. And that's what people did with Jesus. They heard that he was feeding free people, that he was feeding thousands, right? And they're like, well, there's free food. Well, he's casting out demons. Well, we can go see the show. And that's all Herod Antipas wants. That's all he wants. He just wants to see Jesus do a sign in front of him. That's it. So he questioned him at some length, but he, went, he made no answer. Then chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently, accusing him and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him then arraying him in splendid uh, clothing he sent him back to Pilate and Herod this is what's funny these two guys were f arguing all the time 
And Herod and Pilate become friends with each other that very day. Isn't the devil funny? How he can put two, two ungodly people to become friends again. For they, uh, for, before this, they had been at enmity with each other. In verse 13, it says, Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is misleading the people after examining him uh, before you. Behold, I did not find this man guilty of any charges against him. Neither did Herod. So both, this is the second civil trial, right? You had Pilate and Herod Antipas, and neither person finds him guilty. This is very important. And both times, whether it was the religious trial with the Sanhedrin, Jesus identifies that he is the king of the Jews, that he is the Christ, right? And then now in the civil trial, he's answering the question, you know, are you the king of the Jews? I am. He's answering the question. And neither did Herod for him send him back to us, and like nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. So that actually brings us to verse 6. All of that happened, and that's why I wanted to cover that, because Mark, Mark kind of just quickly hits it. And I'm like, wait a minute, there was a bunch of other stuff that happened. So you understand. Now he's going to be delivered over to be crucified. In Mark 15, verse 6, it says, uh, Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner of, of whom they asked. So this is the Passover feast. And this was something that the Romans did to appease the Jews, to make sure that they didn't go crazy during Passover. Because they had, you know, people that would want to do insurrections and overturn the Roman government. So this is what they would do. And among the rebels in prison who committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Now this is where we, we, we stumble into Barabbas. And, and Barabbas was actually a, uh, we know that he was a robber, that he was a murderer, and then he actually committed an insurrection. And, and for us, the thing to remember about Barabbas is Barabbas is us. We deserved to be guilty we deserve to be tried for our guilt right and in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God all have sinned not some all you think about your sweet grandmother she's sinned she's a sinner you know you start you start thinking about the sweetest people we're all sinners we all need a savior in Romans uh, chapter 6 verse 23 y'all know this verse very well for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus is willingly going to the cross for us, and he's innocent. And yet Barabbas is guilty. Barabbas is guilty. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered for, our, uh, for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So we are Barabbas. Barabbas deserved death. And you think about Barabbas was a thief as well. And we had two thieves that hang between Jesus on the cross. And yet he was the one that was innocent. In verse 8 it says, And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate, Do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And you have to think, this guy was an insurrectionist against Rome. This is the last person that you want to let out. 
Because he's already tried to go and overturn Rome once, right? What do you think he's going to do when he gets out? But this goes to show you that Pilate knew this guy is a murderer, he's a thief, and an insurrectionist, and he is guilty. There's no way that they're not going to pick Barabbas. So that's why he brings the worst prisoner he has, Barabbas, because Jesus is innocent. Herod Antipas has seen he's innocent. He's seen he's innocent. These were the same people that will be, Hosanna, Hosanna is now going to start crucify him, crucify him. He's assuming that the crowd's going to make the right choice. But there's something here that's very important. In verse 10, it says, For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. Out of envy. That word in the Greek actually means that you're not just wanting what another person has, you're resenting them for having it. That's what it means in the Greek. Like, I like the new truck you got, but now I'm resenting you for even having it. Like, I'm mad at you for even having it. That's wrong. That's wrong thinking. But that's where, and, and, and this is where I want y'all to wrap your head around. These were the religious leaders. And it's an ungodly man, Pilate, who believes in many gods that sees the hardness of the hearts. And it's a reminder to us as Christians, your testimony is on display all the time. And people can tell when you're faking it. I've gotten to the point where I don't tell people I'm a Christian. Because Christian has gotten such a bad name because of us. Because we're so hypocritical. I tell people I'm a follower of Jesus, man. I follow Jesus. And I do my best to do that. And that's the only reason why I say that. Because as soon as you tell somebody you're a Christian, the first thing they get is, think about it. What are the first five things that come to your head about a Christian? Hypocrite is probably going to be one of them in that list. And this was the religious leaders that had so much envy because they, they saw Jesus and they were going, man, he's got the crowds coming and that's not right. They should have been happy. There was a revival happening throughout the land. And they were going against it. They were looking at it as, hey, we're losing power. And we need to stop this. And that Roman Gentile called their hearts out. You're envious. There's a little envy here. Your hearts are hard. And we need to be very careful about what we do. And that's why I always tell you, it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need you to play church with me on Sunday. That's the last thing I want. I want, you to, I want you to live out your faith in your homes. Because when it starts in the homes, in the marriages, in the families, it, 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 it overwhelms the church. It comes into the church. It floods out of the church into the community. But let me tell you something. When your marriages are all a mess and your family's a mess, it floods into the church and it floods out into the community. And everybody goes, and they call themselves a Christian. And it, it, it's sad, but that's kind of where we're at. So I tell people, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because as soon as I say the word Christian, I, sometimes, sometimes people just shut off. They don't want to hear anything else. We need to be very careful about where our hearts are at. If there's some hardness going on or you're envious about some ministry, and this stuff happens in churches, okay? Like you come in here and you go, well, man, but they have a stage and they have a thing and they have a, and you're like, you're being envious of what they got. Praise God they have it. Praise God. But how many of us do that when we go to a conference? 
And you go to the bigger church and they have all the nice speakers and all the new gear and you're like, oh man, man, I wish we had that stuff. But do you get envious? Are you wanting it so much that, that you're upset because they got it? And it happens. We need to protect our hearts. Verse 11 says, But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him released for them Barabbas instead. So that word stirs up. Um, the word stirred up actually in the, uh, the Greek is a verb. It means to violently shake up and down, to incite a mob. So now you have the religious leaders, the chief priest, shaking up and down and inciting a crowd. You have a religious leader inciting a riot. And this is the chief priest that's doing it. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? I love that. I love that because... When we, when we look at the chief priest and we look at Pilate, we have to actually ask ourselves, what are we going to do with our sin? What are we going to do with, with Jesus? What do we do with Jesus? Every person in this world has to answer that question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Who is he to you? You have to be able to answer that. Because if not, if you don't answer it, and you don't choose to answer it, it'll be answered for you. It'll be answered for you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Messiah, the anointed one, as we found out last week. And they cried out again, crucify him. Last week, you know, this is a few days earlier, they're, they're, they're worshiping him, worshiping him. And now the crowd is screaming, crucify him. And there's something within that that y'all need to catch. That's when you're being led by your emotions and feelings it's so easy for you to be incited and be shaken up and down. If, if the news does that to you, turn it off. If social media does that to you, turn it off. If it's, if it's going to make you a bad witness for Christ, turn it off. Don't allow the things of this world to shake you up and down and get you all riled up and you're not even talking about Jesus. All you're doing is talking about the things of this world. And the devil's just laughing. Gotcha. Instead of sharing the gospel with that guy, you just went off on this whole tangent. And that's what we're doing. We have a mission. And the mission is the Great Commission. I had somebody tell me they have like 30 skaters here in Divine. I'm trying to figure out where they skate at because I'm like, there's not a lot of places to skate. And I know at some point, I remember talking to um, Brother David, who was part of, part of the DMF, and they were actually looking at possibly putting in a place for kids to skate skateboard and i'm like man it's needed now if they got 30 skaters but the person had asked me it's like mike can you can you go minister to them i'm like i'll go all day long tell me where they meet i'll go do that but i need y'all to remember something uh i'm not the only one who's been, been given the great commission you have been too it's been it's a command for every one of us that we're all supposed to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also there's something else within that command that we forget, which is discipleship. Meaning you grab your brother or your sister and you walk alongside of them. And that can get messy at times. But you keep walking alongside of them and you keep pointing them to Jesus. And you grow and you mature. And guess what? When you think you've grown far enough, you're going to grow more. God is not going to not stop growing you until he calls you home to be with him. That's when it stops. 
One of the things that we have to remember is something Rick had shared this with me the other day. And he was like, Mike, I don't know if you remember, but in one of the studies that we went over, it was like the coals, when the, when the fire is together and the coals are together, the fire is red hot. But one of the coals gets separated, the amber starts going out. We work better together. And that's what we should be doing. Don't allow people to shake you up and incite you. Okay? Don't, don't allow it to make you a bad witness for Christ. Something happens here as he says crucify him. Pilate asks that question, what, what evil has he done? Right? In verse 14. But this is really cool. Even Pilate's wife comes out in Matthew chapter 27 verse 19. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, having nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. So Pilate's wife is saying, hey, <laughs> don't mess with that righteous man. Even his wife knows that he's righteous. And this is an ungodly woman. And you always wonder, like these are the stories I always want to know. Did Barabbas come to know faith? Did Pilate's wife, because of these dreams, go, I need something else besides what we're following? That's the thing that we need to remember is that the, the world will always embrace worldly ideas above the Lord. And these were Romans that, that, that worshipped many gods. In verse 15, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released them Barabbas. So Barabbas is freed, a guilty man. Having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And that word scourged, actually, when you look at the actual weapon itself, is a, a, a wooden handle with a leather, leather thong, and it adds small bone pieces in it with metal balls. And they slash, and they hit, and every time it hits, it tears. And they're scourging Jesus before the crucifixion. Most people didn't survive the scourging. They died. They never made it to crucifixion because of the scourging. Now remember, last week they were doing what? They blindfolded him and started hitting him full speed. He had no idea where the punches are coming from. Closed fist. And they were telling him what? Prophesy. Who's hitting you? And this week he's scourged and spit on and mocked. And he hasn't even made it to the cross yet. In Mark 10, verse 34, it says, And Jesus said all this was going to happen. He prophesied that this was going to happen. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. He said that they would flog him, scourge him. And finally, we see in these last few verses here, he's delivered over to the soldiers. And the soldiers led him away inside the place. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage, in homage to him. Now, when you read that as they're kneeling down, it just reminded me of Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on the, of things in heaven and things of earth and, and things under the earth. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. When they had mocked him, they stripped him from the purple cloak, and they put on his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. You think about this. These are, these are men of war. They're used to doing stuff like this. 
mocking is something I, I, I'm prior military, so I understand it. But when you get into a combat environment and you get around men that are of combat, scourging is nothing. It's easily done to a man of war. And that's what Jesus is surrounded by. And they go on to mock him and, and dress him and they begin to spit on him. You know, I would rather get hit in the face than somebody spit on me. I think if you ask anybody that, I think spitting on somebody is probably the most disrespectful thing that you can do to somebody. But you realize that he did all of this for us. He's taken all of this on for us. We were Barabbas. We were guilty. When you choose to follow him, God sees his son Jesus because you're forgiven. You repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You ask Christ into your heart and you believe and you follow him. And John 3, 16, 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in the world that the world might be saved through him. These scriptures should actually drive you to repentance. If you're struggling through something today, if there's something that's happening in your life that you've allowed back into your life, even if you're like, man, I, man, I've been a little envious this week. Like all that stuff is sin. Remember, we looked at Peter's trials last week as he denied Christ. It was sin. And yet every sin that you've done was placed on the cross. And we're only saved by grace. We don't know what happened to Barabbas. The Bible doesn't tell us. The one thing that we do need to do is make sure that we've, we understand that we live, for we live in, a, in an age of grace and there's enough grace for the journey. And, and here's the fun part. You're going to stand up. You're going to, just like the little baby, when the little baby starts walking, that's us as Christians when we first come to know faith and we get up, we get moving, and we fall. We sin. We repent. Jesus helps us back up and we get moving again. And, and that's going to be our life with Christ as we grow. We have, we have grace for the journey. But you realize that because you have grace for the journey, shouldn't you extend grace to other people? Right? Will you extend that other gra grace to other people or are you going to be like the religious leaders and incite people and shake them up? See, it's important for us to understand what, what's what we're looking at. We're looking at the, the pinnacle of him heading to the cross and, and understanding the story. And just to think, we're, I mean, we're not that far from Christmas. We'll be looking at the birth of Christ in, in a month, a little over a month's time. And he came for the sins of this world. And, and for whatever reason, I don't know why Christians don't confess their sins. They give their heart to Christ and then they stop confessing their sins. We're sinning every day. That's why, you know, that prayer, the acronym, you know, when you pray, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. What is the second thing? Confession. You should be confessing. Keep a short sin list. Deal with that stuff that, man, you, 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 you respond to somebody that you know you shouldn't have and it's wrong. Say, man, I love you. I've asked God for forgiveness. I need, I need to let you know I was wrong. Can you forgive me? We don't do that enough. That's the problem with the world right now. Is we don't do that enough. Everybody wants to be right all the time. Or they want to be righteous when they're not really. But they go, let me go on TikTok or let me go on Instagram. And let me go ahead and state my point even louder. And you're shaking up just like the 
the religious leaders into writing, and you're doing it through your, or your phone, you need to stop doing all that stuff. We have a commission that we were called to do, which is the Great Commission, which is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To share the message that Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins because he loved you. And he wants to have eternal life with you. But he wants your debt sin paid because you're guilty and you can't pay it yourself. I can tell you, man, I, am, I, I, I probably need to get me a shirt that says, I am Barabbas, because I am, but not anymore because I belong to Christ, right? I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.